Welcome to That's Orgasmic, a podcast discussing the orgasmic and not-so-orgasmic moments of all things sex, relationships, and mental health. I am your host, Emily Duncan, and I'm a sexologist who provides online sex coaching sessions to help you cultivate sexual wellness. Before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know about my live show I am hosting on the 24th of August at Piano Bar Geelong. This show will be featuring sexologist Bridget Scholes and we're going to be doing an exploration into your orgasmic desires. We're going to break down what desire is and also delve into arse play, BDSM and also different relationship dynamics, exploring non-monogamy, sex parties, threesomes, just really delving into our deeper desires. So if you've been looking to explore your desires, then this is the show for you. This event is sponsored by sexual wellness brands, Madame Dahlia, It's Normal and Happy Whole. We have seven different giveaways on the night and the first 15 people to arrive also get a free gift. So that is super, super exciting. If you want more information about the event or to buy your ticket, follow the link in the show notes. I also received another five-star review. It said, Emily has a great show that does a wonderful job being open to covering all things sexuality, hearing her personal experiences with sex, as well as her interviews with guests will leave you feeling like you learned more than when you first start listening. So if this was you who left this review, please reach out to me to my email, emilyduncan at thatsorgasmic.com to be able to receive your discounted session with me at emilyduncan. In sexology. That is all from me, so I hope you enjoy today's episode, Shaggers. Today I am joined with Nicole from Your Say by Nicole, who is a leader, podcast host, and coach, teaching you to stop and embody your power to achieve limitless success and fulfillment in your life. So welcome to That's Orgasmic. Thank you. I love the name of your podcast. Let's let's Thank make this you. an orgasmic episode, hey? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's something I'm so glad I had a name change because it used to be the sealed section. And oh, it's so really? much yeah, it's so much more my vibe now. Like it's just yeah, so much better. That's awesome. So I'd love to first um talk about like your coaching work, what it entails and really like how you got to the position of becoming a coach. Yeah, awesome. So I have had a very successful career in the corporate world at a retail level. So I kind of started my career in Bunnings um, back before it was even called Bunnings. So I worked my way up to general manager, state manager. I worked in the fashion industry for about 10 years. I worked in the surf industry for 10 years. So I was always a leader and a bit of a boss lady. And at uni, I studied visual arts. So I had an artistic creative background and then just kept building this empire essentially and worked for a couple of different companies. And I was really driven you know I was driven because I would work for bosses that were like dicks essentially and I was like right I'm going to be the boss because I want to make it better than that they're not you know that's not how I want to lead I want to lead people differently so in that career I coached people all day every day so the bit that I was amazing at was people leadership right was taking people mentoring people so I've I would say I've been coaching people for the last 25 years. Yes, it was in a different environment to what I'm doing now. So I had a relationship breakdown nearly two and a half, three years ago. My ex-wife and I separated. And at that point, I kind of changed everything about my life. So at that point, I really... I really had to look in the mirror and realize that all the money in the world didn't make us happy. And, you know, we had the waterfront home and the cars and the, you know, expensive holidays and all the things. And it didn't mean anything. You know, it kind of got sort of ripped back, ripped out from under me without me necessarily realizing. So 18 months ago, I decided to give up my corporate career. Prior to that, actually, I'm missing a step. 
important point. I've got my youngest son is Har- named Harvey. He's six and a half. So when he was born, my ex and I had, we shared mat leave and that's when I started my art business. So I'm also an artist and I have an art business called Your Art. So that's been running for seven years. And then I've always done business consulting on the side of that. And then, yeah, two years ago, I decided I just, I needed to focus on my own mental health to be really transparent. And I decided to give it all up. I was in a position where I just wanted to go all in on my business. I was advised by my financial advisors not to because I'd bought a unit that's currently being built. Everyone was kind of like, yeah, look, you know, I think you're a single mum now. You probably shouldn't do this. And I just didn't even really have a choice. I had worked through, I think the longest I'd ever taken off was six months since I was sort of 14. And I've got a really crazy, crazy work ethic. So I threw it all in 18 months, two years ago and started my art business primarily. And then I was always going to add the coaching and mentoring at the back end of that. Art was never going to be enough for me because it's the canvases don't talk back and I'm an extrovert and a people person. So I introduced the coaching into my business model about a year ago. And essentially that started with, I suppose the crux of what I do, exactly like what you said at the beginning, I teach people to stop. I say, get off the treadmill. Like that's kind of the language that I use. It's like, stop, get off the treadmill. Are you even happy with what you're doing? Are you just a victim to society? Are you living a life that's got purpose? Do you feel powerful? Um, You know, and are you being successful? Are you just living out this kind of auto mode, which was essentially what I did for a really long time. And so I started working predominantly with women around mindset. So I've kind of got two different styles to my coaching business. I've got a lot of women that I've worked with that it's really been around mindset, rebuilding. A lot of them have had children or they've had relationship breakdowns and they don't quite know where to go. And then I've kind of got this other side of my coaching business where it's very business management. So I work with people that are either in corporate careers and I'm helping them navigate the people management side of it and being in the boardroom or helping people build businesses. So now I work with clients on a one-on-one basis um, and they can work with me for like an eight-week period or they work with me ongoing and we do like a monthly kind of check-in type thing. And then I also run masterclasses and group type trainings as well. So that's all just really, that's all just happened in the last six months. Yeah, awesome. I can see how passionate you are. I'm so about passionate. It. I'm so yeah, passionate. I love I'm just... meeting other people who are passionate because it gives me uh, energy I'm... to like yeah. bring out my own passions themselves. Yeah, and I think, you know, I I just um I just see so many women that are doing what they think they should. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can either tick, tick all the boxes, tick all the boxes and then get to a point where, you know, either your kids grow up and leave or your kids have their own kids and then you live vicariously through the grandkids and then sometimes, you know, you look at your partner and you're like, oh, hang on a second, that's right, I don't even really like you anymore or I didn't fulfil this dream or this goal and so, yeah, that's what I do. I kind of... Teach people to teaching people to stop sounds so simplistic, but honestly, people don't stop, right? No, they don't. They don't stop. Not and mind they're at breaking point. No, exactly. So a sickness or a death or something massive has to take them down. And for me, it was a marriage breakup and it was a divorce. We didn't actually end up getting married because of COVID. But you know, it was a huge shift in everything that I knew. And I just don't want anyone to ever get to that point. You know, my lowest point was really low and yeah, the women I've helped along the way, I've probably worked with like 30 plus women so far and I still work with them within some capacity and their whole life is different now. Like they're actually different people to when they start working with me. And it's just the, it's just the most amazing buzz ever. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. So I guess for those, this is a massive question, um, but like for those who like they come to you, they're feeling lost, they're looking for either a redirection or to, you know, refocus or just don't know where to go. Do you, like what's the process in supporting with that and like mm. the 
advice obviously massive question is going to be different to each person yeah totally totally I think I think the first thing I do is I get them to stop and I do that through teaching them to I get them to commit to starting to having a ritual for seven days and the first thing I do with every client that works with me is I get them to find 15 minutes preferably in the morning not in the night where I teach them to sit with themselves for three minutes I teach them to journal and I teach them to, to stop and, and actually drop into themselves. And the the amount, and I do this in a session when we're on Zoom with all my clients and there's usually a lot of emotion that comes up and there's usually a lot of, oh my God, I haven't stopped. Like I'm exhausted. So, you know, depending on what's gone on with a particular client, I usually work with them. Some clients I work with them just on their mindset. So it just it's just eight weeks of pure, you know, it's a cross between counseling, psychology and all of the things. But I, I try and teach them tools that they can then use. So stopping is, is the first thing that we do. And I find that there's a lot of resistance around journaling. I don't know, Emily, have you ever done any journaling before? I try and journal every day. I've been doing it for like probably my – third year now and before I started so much resistance I've tried it a couple times growing up would then get the paper rip it because I was so scared of anyone seeing it yeah um but I I literally can't live without it anymore like it's the best thing I've ever done yeah no totally and so I I just get them commit to doing it for me and those first couple of weeks there's a lot of support for me around them I teach them things about being aware and are they truly happy and just really reflective moments. And I use WhatsApp the whole time. So we'll have like a 90-minute session and I'll teach them about stopping and looking at where their energy goes, looking at when they feel triggered and, you know, and, and I'll get them to message me. Sometimes they might message me 30 times in the first day because I have to get into their headspace to find out what's triggering them and what's, you know, kind of like where I'm going to need to support them the most. So I haven't ever had any client that's been the same. You know, I've had some clients that usually by week two and three, they're journaling and they're like, oh my God, all this shit came up. I thought I dealt with that. I realized I'm not even feeling this you know, I'm not even happy in my relationship. Like just so much stuff comes up. So stopping is the first thing that I do. And the other thing that I teach them in the first month is people think they stop, but they don't, right? Mm. Like going for a walk with your headphones in, that's not stopping. Going for a massage is not stopping. Someone's touching you. Going to the movies, watching a movie, reading a book, not all these things are in, 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 right? So it's still energy in truly stopping is sitting in a space not outside not inside just alone and and just sitting there and just literally dropping into yourself and just focusing and trying to think of nothing now my old nickname was turbo in my old work so I ran on adrenaline for 44 years and (laughs) I didn't know any different right and I, ta- I still am very fast and I'm very agile and, you know, part of this is my personality. But when people come to me, they're usually talking like there's 100 miles an hour. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to be, yeah, no, oh, for sure. I-, I won't be able to do that. Like, And then I see them by week two and week three and week four. And then we start having these conversations where it's safe and it's slow and it's yummy. And so I start with the stopping and I teach them how to do what I call your ritual, which is your breath. They do a visualization. Um, I get them to write in a journal and then I get them to read. So I introduce them to certain podcasts that might help them, um, depending on who they are and what their personal requirement is. I kind of cater each thing towards that person. Like one of my clients, you know, had done a lot of work on themselves and has a whole separate psychology, um, mental health plan. And for me, I'm really her people business coach. So I teach her how to be a better leader. You know, she gets paid an absolute fortune. I've got two ladies like this actually. So they're employed by other companies and I'm like their boss without being their boss. They're like, oh my God, I've got this shit situation. How do I handle this? So instead of going to the person at work, I educate them on being a better leader and being a better manager. So I've kind of got 
a really varied background in that kind of regard. But along the way, you know, I wouldn't say like I'm a very spiritual person. Um, I introduced people dependent on their appetite for what that is. Like I have learned to meditate in the last three years. I have a daily practice of journaling. I do visualizations. Like there's lots of things that I do. And depending on the client's appetite for that, I introduce the relevant things for them. So it's kind of Yeah. The other thing that I do with clients is, and this is, you know, a really good point for anyone that's listening out there is you have to declutter everything that's around you. Now, this usually comes into like week four and five, but it's like who you are, you are the five people you hang out with. Right. And so are these people toxic? Who do you follow on Instagram? who triggers you, who doesn't, like everything that's around you has an impact on your energy. And so, you know, if you're looking through Instagram and and you follow something and it makes you go, or it makes you go, oh, I'm not good enough or whatever that is, stop following them, right? So I feel like I really most, not most, every client will always say to me, oh, I feel so much lighter. They feel so much lighter because I, I create this beautiful safe space where they can just turn up say whatever the fuck they want and I hear it and listen and I validate it and then sometimes I have to kind of go back and go, okay, but you're letting that behavior happen. You know, boundary setting is another huge one that we that mm. we delve into and depending on the client, that might be three or four weeks, you know. Um, so, yeah, I really, I, I've done the best part of 20, oh, actually that's not true. So 17 years of solid work on myself and I've worked both with counselors, psychologists. I don't claim to be a psychologist. I don't pretend to be or a doctor or a GP. I simply share the tools and the things that I, that have worked for me. And, you know, across that time period, some things work for some people and some don't work for others. Um, but the beauty of working with a coach that I've found for the listeners that mightn't be even familiar with this is when you go to a psychologist, it's a very clinical one hour, you're in, you're out, they'll give you the theory of it. And that can be really interesting, but then you might not go back for one to two weeks. And so it's very, very easy as we know we're humans and we just fall back into the behavioral patterns that we're used to. And a counselor is far more personable and a little bit more uh, here are some tools, but again, you don't see or hear them again. Whereas when you're working with a coach slash mentor, if some, if someone's looking to, to work with a coach, choose one that you have access to, right? So a lot of the coaches that exist now give you an option to either be in contact with them via WhatsApp or, you know, whatever their chosen app is. And what that means is if, if, if I was doing a session with you, Emily, for example, and we had our one hour session, we talked all about triggers and you were saying, right, I'm triggered by ABCD. And then we would kind of talk about how you were going to overcome that. And then your homework would be right. Next time it happens, I want you to message me. Now it's not about the messaging to me. It's about the break in the behavior. So you stop and go, shit, that just happened. Oh, that just happened. That just happened. So it's not easy, right? Because I do call bullshit on a lot of things. Like it's really, it's not uncommon for someone to arrive feeling like life's happened to them and that that they've given their power away to their partners, their jobs, their kids, their animals. <laughs> People will blame you know, everything on everything it, on, everything. on everyone else. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but you've sat in this, right? So one of the things that I do practice with people is being in the car with nothing on, no podcasts, no music, just drive to and from where you're going with nothing on. And at first they're like, I'm like, trust me, you, you can create really nice spaces in your busy life where you can actually start to like I find traffic now I'm like oh okay there's traffic like instead of going oh my god there's fucking traffic I'm like okay cool well the map says I'm here for 15 minutes so I'm just gonna go slow and I'm just like you know and you get to create those moments you know and I think that my clients feel so powerful because I teach them where those moments can be and it's not about finding more time in the day it's just about flipping your mindset around the time that you've got. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of, yeah, that's 
they're the things, you know, books, podcasts, but I think there are some people out there that do too much of all that, right? Um, sometimes less is more, you know, you, you have some people that are obsessed with, like I know when I was on a bit of a, when I first was, you know, in the, at, at the tail end of my relationship as I was breaking up, I was obsessed with information. I was like, we've got to go to couples counseling. We're going to do this. 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 And it's like, it was too much, um, which is why, you know, I, I had to have nothing for so long. Um, and that's where so much of the work happened for me. So I kind of, yeah, it's ironic. People that have known me for a long time are like the, the fact that you're a champion of stopping is insane because you've been the complete opposite your whole life, right? And I mm-hmm. I went and did like a 10-day uh, retreat called Vipassana where it was silent and you couldn't even look at anyone, gesture, and we meditated for 14 hours a day. And people that know me are like, how the fuck did you do that? And it's like I'm not that person anymore. You know, I yeah. am not that person anymore. And I 10 years ago would say, people don't change. Leopards don't change their spots. And now I'm like, no, they do. You can learn anything at any age. You get to make a choice. And yeah, I've just made a choice to live my life and heal from, I healed from my childhood trauma in my thirties. And then in my forties, I kind of spent my whole relationship whilst there was lots of good about it, but it was very much, I had a mask on. I was, you know, I had an anxious attachment style and I was so desperate to be loved and, you know, I had no self-love for myself. Three years ago I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror and I was a size six, I just had my boobs done. Essentially I looked the best that, you know. Yeah. And I was the most unhappiest I've ever been in my life, Mm. you know. So, yeah, yeah. there was so much to unpack there. There was. I did not break it down. So stopping for <laughs> no. me is the number one. Yeah. The, th- the yeah. things that like if I can give the people listening, you know, just like turn the freaking radio off. After this yeah. podcast, don't listen to anything. <laughs> I'm so going to do that. I'm for an hour. For like the t- having the TV on in the background, it's noise, 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 noise. So mm-hmm. anything, anything that goes in is – a distraction and a distraction is a distraction from our actual feelings and unless we feel it we can't heal it right so even going for a run with headphones in that is not out that is in 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 journaling is out right it's getting it out um sitting and meditating and just being is out like um yeah it's it's um it's just really interesting. Like I, I watch the busy mums in life and, you know, you watch the order of society and, you know, at your age bracket it would, you know, you'd be at a different stage to me. But I've watched the evolution of get engaged, get married, have the first kid, have the second kid, then they're getting divorces, then it's now the patchwork, next marriage, do it all again because you can have kids late, you know, and it's just it's such a pattern of behavior. It blows my mind. And there's just no fucking rule book that says you have to do all that, right? And I tried to follow the rule book only to then burn it all down and blow it all up. And now I just stand for people being fucking true and authentic to who they are. And if I had had someone like me and had I had access to the things that exist now, back then, I wouldn't have married a man because I identified as straight for the first 32 years of my life, even though I knew I wasn't. So, yeah, so interesting. No, it is interesting. And I think so many people don't stop. I know even myself, I used to meditate every day. I probably haven't done it in, it's probably creeping up to six months. And every day I'm like, I fucking need to get back into that habit because every time I do it I'm in such a better place and even at the moment I've taken a step back in like other jobs I've had to try and focus just on you know the work that I want to do yeah but I'm still not doing the things like stopping to give myself the capacity to I do know, that right I'm yep. like just hearing you speak about it, I'm like fuck I need yeah I really need to re focus because I'm trying to refocus but I'm not doing it in the right way if that makes sense no it does Um, and look I and look I'm guilty of it as well I when I got back from my meditation retreat I was so overwhelmed 
that I was like, how the fuck am I going to bring that out? They wanted us to do an hour in the morning and an hour at night. And I'm like, how am I going to do that? And so I kind of just didn't do anything for two weeks and then sat there and went, you've just gone and spent 10 days learning this style of meditation. That's the way you want to live your life moving forward. And then I've had, but then I've had to chop it up and make it work for me. So I do a chunk of my, I probably only do like a 10 minute meditation every morning, but I probably do a good 40 minutes at night. Mm. Um, So yeah, look, it's really hard. It is really, really hard to embody and do the things that you say you do. But for anyone out there that's looking at coaches or any online facilitators, like you want to choose people that does the shit that they say they're going to do, right? Yeah, because there are people out there that are like, oh, yeah, you know, buy this course and, you know, you can learn it all and self-help and all that's just bullshit. Like, you know, you can earn 10 grand in a month and I teach you this, I teach you that. You need to find someone that you relate to, trust, and is going to make yourself available, right? Because ultimately there's so many people now in the coaching space and the mentor space where they just want to give you this quick fix, you know, like I had one of my clients last week had something quite major happen. And so the time I spent with her was excessive, right? And I don't charge her anymore because that's part of what we pay. Now, I didn't really hear from her for the first three weeks before that, but it was a busy week for her. So I was there to support her. And that for me, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I genuinely want to see them better their lives. Like I want to see them and yeah, I just think that's a really interesting, you know, if someone in DMs are like, oh no, you got to pay for that or this or that, like you just, yeah, you just want to sign up to someone that you feel really aligned with, that feels really mm. authentic. Absolutely. Now you mentioned before, like your sexuality and your journey with your sexuality. And I'd love to touch on that um, because it's something that so many of us are on our journey with it and it can be so confusing. Even me, I went and saw the Barbie movie last night and I was like, am I, am I, cause I identify as queer, but like before that was always bi, but then now I'm like, am I, you know, am I even like, interested in men anymore is it just women I don't fucking know I just like Like, but isn't it look I'm 47 and I still I went to a party on Saturday night that was for queer everyone by curious the whole lot so I've identified I've identified as a lesbian since I was 32 so that's been my identification and I still identify as a lesbian but I lived my you know I was with boys from 13 on and had, you know, a string of serious relationships as a young girl and loved boys, loved, loved, loved men, loved sex with men. You know, I didn't dislike it. I definitely knew, I knew I liked women too, but I am such a strong person. I came from a pretty dysfunctional family and I just pushed it down, pushed it down, pushed it down, pushed it down. I can remember trying to crack on to my girlfriends when we were like 14, 15. And again, it wasn't the done thing like it is now. Like there was no Katy Perry and I kissed a girl song and like mm-hmm. it just wasn't talked about then. So I remember my best friend going, oh, my God, you must think I'm Damien, which was my boyfriend's name. You're trying to kiss me last night and you kept cuddling me in the sleep. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's a no then. You know, so I – Pushed it down, pushed it down, pushed it down. My brother's gay as well. He came out straight away. Like he came out, he's eight years younger than me. Um, But I went and married a man and my recipe to marry a man was as long as he doesn't hit me, smoke or drink, he'll do, you know. And I was never, you know, I loved him, but I was never deeply connected and in love with him like I would then later learn, you know, what that was. So I didn't actually kiss a girl properly until two nights before my hen's party. So I was about to marry a man and went to a gay bar with my brother the night before my hen's party and this girl was just staring at me and I was in the bathroom and she just like fully pushed me up against the toilet door and said, oh, your friend said you're getting married tomorrow. I think you're making a big mistake and just started kissing me. And I can just remember thinking, oh, my God, like this is the best thing in the world. Like it just felt so right. And I kept kissing her and kept kissing her and we kind of fumbled our way out of the bathroom. And then my brother saw us and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? 
and I'm like, oh, I'm just getting it out of my system. You know, we'd had drinks and everything. And then that night my my friend that was with me, who was like a friend, a girlfriend from, you know, from growing up from school, it was just her, me and my brother. We went back to the hotel um, and then her and I got it on. She's like, oh, my God, I've got so horny watching you kiss that girl. And then she kind of busted a move on me and we got it on. So... Then the next day was my hen's party and then I think I pashed like three or four randoms that night at the nightclub and my best friends were like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I just want to get it out of my system. And then the next morning I married a man. Um, and oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I knew that I wasn't – he wasn't overly into sex either, but I was in, I wanted sex. I've always been a really highly, I've always had a high sex drive. I don't even think I've peaked with my sexual appetite yet, to be honest, which is kind of cool to think. But I, yeah, I married him and within six or seven months I was down in Melbourne for work and then I saw a girl from my childhood who was gay and we'd gone out for dinner and I was staying back at a friend's and I said, oh, I think I'm going to go out with her and – I'll come back later and she's like, you're playing with fire. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And she's like, Nikki, you're playing with fire. You should just come home with me now. And this girl was at, was gay and I just sort of waved goodbye to my best friend and I knew exactly what I was doing. And then, yeah, I was with her and, um, you know, we got it on while we were out. And I remember, you'll laugh at this as a sexologist, I remember we got back to my best friend's house and I remember her saying to me, I just want to make love to you. And I was, I don't know, 30, 28. And I remember thinking, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even know what that meant then, right? Like I'd only kissed a girl and I was like, Ugh! I freaked out. So I went and slept with my actual friend for the night, like normally. And then that was it. And then um, I would later, uh, my son was two. My my ex-husband and I, look, we just didn't have a great marriage or relationship we were on and off the whole time and we're in separate rooms I think we had sex once or twice in two years like it just wasn't Mm -hmm. you know and then I saw a girl in my then job and I laid eyes on her and she looked very much like pink and it was right in pink's heyday Mm -hmm. and I just remember thinking oh this is not going away like I have to deal with it and so I ended my marriage and then her and I had a two-year relationship two to three year relationship. And then that didn't work out. And then I was with my next partner for 10 years. And that ended like two and a half years ago. And then her and I had IVF. I already, I had a, I had my first son, Dakota, he's 18 nearly with my ex-husband. And then I had another little boy, which we did IVF with my ex-partner. So we were together for 10 years and they were my, you know, I broke up. Here I was, Two and a half years ago, I had only ever been with two women, found myself single, a lesbian on the Gold Coast, fucking apps did not exist, just kind of going, what the fuck do I do now? So Mm -hmm. before I tackled anything like that, I just had to get myself right, (laughs) which was why I quit my job and did all my things. So that's my coming out story, right? Mm. Um, And now, God you know, now women coming out later in life, I mean, you just need to Google it and there's like five or six different things so you can stories. join. Yeah, you can join Facebook groups. You can read books. You can listen to podcasts. Like none of that existed, you know. Mm-hmm. And I am an advocate on my podcast for bringing all those support spaces to the forefront so that women don't feel isolated. Like I remember when I first came out, oh, I mean, it was a I remember having shingles for like a month. So I had like oh, no. a whole rash down one half of my body. I was so sick. There was so much shame. My marriage didn't work. I felt like I'd become part of my family and I wanted to be better than them. And, oh, it was just, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot. Mm, uh, it is a lot and so confusing and just it can be – it can be – there's just so many things to, like, I guess, battle with, like yeah. with yourself, your own identity, um, then exploring that with new people. Like I remember that my first time sleeping for a woman was fucking terrifying. I was like, I've, I know there's been, like, 
30, 40 men by now, but this one, like, woman know, has just right? got me absolutely fucking frazzled. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, and then, like, feelings of not feeling queer enough. I know even for me, once I started studying sexology and being around some really – like amazing people but they knew all the queer history and politics and all these things and I'm like Mm. oh my god like I just don't feel like I'm you know I'm queer enough and especially being somebody who does still sleep with men feeling like that kind of invalidates my experience sometimes even though I know it doesn't but you just have all these feelings coming and it's so tricky to navigate it is it's really tricky and you know I am such an owner of all the shit I've said over the years I'm super self-aware and you know 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I was like, well, you can't be bisexual. You've got to make a choice. You either like one or the other. That was my opinion, right? And it wasn't only really until sort of six or seven years ago that I was like, okay, because I thought bisexuality meant you were being greedy, right? And Mm -hmm. now I'm educated on it and I've been around people and I understand it and I – I went to Mardi Gras to World Pride this year for the first time and I've never had a massive amount of exposure to the queer community and I went there with my eyes wide open and was just like, holy shit, you know, and there was kind of like the dykes on bikes, the older generation, the diehards, and then there was the queer, which was more for me, it was the younger ones that were so expressive and I can remember thinking, well, I don't feel like I fit in any of these groups. Like I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I felt in any, like I fitted into any of them. And it's, 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 it's really interesting. One of the things I'm grappling with with my own identity at the moment is I don't want to say the word walking contradiction, but I am. In, in society's terms, I am. I'm a boss bitch that's about to move into a beautiful, expensive apartment that wants to drive an expensive car. I want to live off the land for two months of the year. I want to go to a douche douche fucking tent and not shower and grow my hair, underarm hair for three days. I want it like I want to do it all. And I've been on a search this year to find my tribe of people. And the more people I'm around, the more I kind of like I loved Saturday night, but I was kind of like, they were all poly in polyamorous relationships mm-hmm. and that was fine. That's their jam. And some of them were quite interested in me and flirting. And I was just like, when faced with it, I'm like, I don't want to be the third wheel. Like that's not what I want to do. And yeah, I, I, I think true acceptance of who you are means for me at the moment, I'm grappling with, well, I just want to be a bit of everything and that's okay. Right. And I think for so long, it's like, well, where do you, where do you fit? You know, I don't fit in the hippie bucket because they don't care for work and nice things. And, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like all the, I know exactly what you mean. I feel exactly the same. It's kind of like, you know, and yeah, I was talking to, and I'm really spiritual, throw that in there. Like, you know, I just did a tarot reading for myself two hours ago because I felt the urge to. And, you know, I really am. Yeah, on one hand, I'm like, don't shave your vulva and then I've got a forehead full of Botox. Like I just – but I'm okay with it. <laughs> but I've, mm-hmm. I've, it's taken me a lot of work and I've still got to get okay with it. Like I've mm-hmm. – you know, I'm single now and have been for two and a half years. I've had one five-week relationship that didn't work and one that was a long-distance relationship that didn't work. But I was sitting down with myself last night going, are you open to love or are you not? And it's like – because I gave so much of myself to my relationships, I finally just got, I finally just fallen in love with myself, right? And being in love with yourself is now safe for me. Whereas I didn't know what safe felt like. Whereas now I've created this beautiful safe space. I'm in charge of my own home, money, kids. I'm decorating my new apartment, feminine with chandeliers. And, you know, it's going to be all the things I've ever wanted. And that feels really safe. And I don't think some women would ever get to feel how I'm feeling in their lives. I think they would live vicariously through their partners, their unhappy marriages, their family's expectations, society's expectations. And so I look back at the trauma I went through. My ex-partner had an affair on me and I kind of have made peace with all that now. I'm kind of like I've forgiven her for doing it. You know, her intention wasn't 
to send me off the edge. It was her own stuff, you know, and I can see that. But yeah, I don't have an answer for anyone out there. But what I want to say to your listeners who are probably a fair bit younger in, in reality than what I am is fucking try everything. Yeah. Try everything, do everything, fuck what anyone else thinks, fuck what your family thinks and just do and be all of the things because we all did it. We just did it with shame and you don't have to as much these days, right? And if you've got people that don't embrace or understand that, that's not about you. That's their stuff, right? That's their own Mm -hmm. shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I 100% agree. Trying as many things as you can and doing what feels good for you and exploring things. And I love, I guess what you said, how you want to do everything and, you know, live all these different, like we don't have to fit a a script. We don't have to fit something. And I feel the same as you. I feel so like I connect to so many different things. Like I, you know, have my identity as like, you know, a sexologist and like the professional side. And I do love nice things as well, but then I do love to go camping. I have country boots and a bloody stock whip and a Cooper in my closet yeah. because I used to go to the Denny Muster and B&S balls and Love be an absolute feral and I still have that part in me. I, you know, I can be so progressive but then at the sometimes I love just, you know, going back home to the farm and it's just that that little bit backwards. Yeah, totally. But like that's just that, you know, all these different, I guess, parts of myself that don't really make sense together but also make perfect sense for me. Totally, yeah. Um, but then I completely understand when it feels – um hard to then find people to connect with when you've got all these different parts of you does and they don't especially when certain people don't see all of those parts then when it does come up they get confused or they say well that's not you or I've had people dismiss my sexuality because they've never seen me be with women or things like that and it's like no but this is a part of me you've you've only known me for this amount of time or you only see me in this light this is still who I am and it could just feel hard to feel validated I guess yeah it does it does yeah it does Emily I 100% agree and you know I think that I've always been like this and my friends and family have shamed me oh what bandwagon you on now oh now you're going to do this or now you're going to do that and it's you know it's I'm like yeah now I'm into this you know my best friend in the world's like When's this spirituality thing going to die? Like when are you going to get over that? I'm going to a meditation retreat. Oh, Nikki's on another fad. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, it's not a fad. It's just all of the evolution into who I am in this current space. Spirituality's always been a part of me, but yes, it's definitely, it's exasperated now because I'm not influenced by anyone else. Like I had been so influenced by the people around me, both friends, work and partners mainly, that I just suppressed all the things, you know, like I've had the last two and a half years. Sometimes I I sit here at night and I'm like, like I'm the boss of me. Like this is my house. Like I have colored popcorn for dinner and, you know, I've put on a truckload of weight, but I'm kind of like, I'll deal with it. You know, if it gets that bad, I know how to lose it. Mm. Um, So it's, yeah, it's really liberating and I feel very empowered in my life right now and that is why I'm so passionate as a coach and I'm just so passionate about women knowing what their purpose are like for me my purpose in life is energy and connection that's what I'm here to do I have an amazing level of energy I use my energy and connection through my artwork in my podcast and in my coaching so I'm about energy and connection and sometimes I just want to be in my studio for two days and I don't want to fucking talk to another soul And that's the hermit part of me that just wants to create. And then the next day I want to be on a podcast and on a stage, I'm a guest speaker on Thursday night, you know, doing all the things and then I'll want to recluse again. And instead of now shaming myself, now I just fucking own it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I just own that that's how. Have you heard of human design? That's something that I just learned about recently. No, I haven't. Human design, it's a whole separate podcast. I won't talk about it in detail, but it's its almost like a mis- mix of astrology and it's got to do with your dates and when you're born and there's mm-hmm. five different styles of human design and depending on where we were born, um, we're born into a particular category and I had mine done, my chart done, and I got all the information. It's like a 200-page document. I read it and was like I felt so seen. 
you know, mm. be a really cool guest for you to get someone on to talk about it. But yeah, absolutely. your human design is how you are, how you show up in the world, how you react to things. It's like a cross between attachment style and astrology. If you could put the two together, really interesting to know where your friends sit versus your partners versus, versus you. And I'm a manifester, which there are only 8% of. And when I learned what a manifester does, I learned how important rest was, how rest is part of the creative process. Because I, I was kind of like, I would beat myself up on the days where, you know, I can work three days, 16 hour days and not sleep. And then I don't want to do anything for four days. And then I would be like, you've got to get up. Whereas now it's like, I'm not designed to work nine to five or sit in one space, which I already knew. I knew that because I haven't been able to do it. And I've fortunately had jobs where I've had a whole lot of freedom, but you just feel so validated and seen when you know how you've been made up. So mm, it's really interesting. Have to check I, that out. Yeah, check it. I mean, look, to I love all that stuff. To, to study human design, I, I learned about it. Went, oh, I want to learn this, and then I went down the rabbit hole and was like, "Fuck, you've got to!" Like, it's a huge course. Like, I'm not mm. an expert in it. I just know what where I am and and you know what the five are. But Emily, you'd love it, and it would be really cool on your podcast because it it really does mix into your relationship and your own attachment style and what that synergy is between the two. So it's really cool. Mm, yeah, amazing. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Yeah. Um, is there anything, obviously we were touching on like sexuality, is there anything else that you want to add on like I guess your experience that you think is important to touch on or like certain parts of advice for people who are wanting to explore their sexuality or step into it further? I think my advice for both men and women would be, in the comfort of your own home, you can explore all these things alone, right? Like we yeah. didn't have phones, right? We couldn't connect to someone on an app and have a secret little sexting marathon. And, you know, I, I suppose I want to remove the shame around doing all of those things, right? Like you can be whoever the fuck you want to be in the privacy of your own space and you can get to explore all of that tell that one friend that you can confide in or don't, you know, like let it just be something that you explore in. And I think that, you know, both apps and joining Facebook groups and, you know, there's so many safe ways to work that out. And I I would just advise, you know, if I had had the forums that exist now, I wouldn't have married a man. Now I have no regret because I have a beautiful son and it's my path, but you know, like if I found out one of my kids was gay, I'd be ecstatic. Like I actually, like I am, people meet me and like you're the biggest lesbian I've ever known. Like I feel <laughs> privileged to love women so much. Like I genuinely, and I don't, I'm not a man hater by any stretch. I've got two boys, right? But I feel so privileged to experience what it's like to have a relationship with a woman. And, you know, I am a lesbian. Like I would never I don't believe I would ever have a relationship with a man. I don't believe I'd ever have sex with a man again. Um I did pash one once, um, <laughs> randomly, but he did offer me a line of cocaine. But anyway. <laughs> um that's a separate story. But I yeah, I just I just think explore it all and you know, there's no fucking rules. Like people fall in love with people, you know? People yeah, fall in love with absolutely. people. And that's a reality. I remember at a really young age, I think I was my grade one teacher. Like I remember, you know how you love your teacher? Oh, no, no, no. I was obsessed with my teacher. And it was even at that younger age where I can remember laying in bed and I Dream a Genie used to be a show that was on TV and I used to like sit there and try and like make her be my mom in my dreams and like I just wanted this teacher so badly. Um but yeah, look, my advice is explore it, feel it, don't hide it, um, you know, and if you've got a friend, if you've got a network of, you know, group of people that don't embrace that side of you, then they're probably not really good friends, you know, like my friends that know me as straight Nikki, you know, I left my whole life in Melbourne, I live on the Gold Coast now, and, you know, they're still my diehard friends, but they don't know me now. They have no idea who I am, you know, and that's okay. 
it's totally okay. It's taken me a long time to get there. They have a perception, you know, of what my life would be now. Um, but people change, right? And I think that friendships, you know, it's okay to have work friends, party friends, you know, history friends. Like it's okay. All that's okay. You know, you don't have to, yeah. And the only other thing I would say is that the downside to growing up in the environment that you guys grow up is there's almost so much fucking information. No, there's so much. That you're just constantly thinking about it, right? So mm-hmm. we were the complete opposite and somewhere in the middle there, there's the right recipe. Mm-hmm. But you just got to do what you got to do. And I think that true friendship and love is people just embracing, you know, who you are. And yeah, all of my really close friends have done that, you know, throughout mm-hmm. all the different parts and changes. And you know, people come into your life for a season or a reason. You know, all these old yeah. cliche statements that we get we get we get said to when we're young, they're just such a freaking reality when you get there. It's quite mm. it kind of blows my mind. Like I remember hearing all through being a young person, you can't accept love until you love yourself. I'm like, oh yeah, I love myself, you know, but I didn't. I didn't love myself. You know, I didn't I did not learn to love myself until forty five, which is two years ago, which is insane, you know, mm. and yet here I was being a general manager with all the money and all the things and I couldn't say I loved myself, but that was my work facade, right? So that was my work mask and I was validated by the position and the money and, you know, all of those things. But, you know, true unconditional love is being able to be with yourself and that's why Mm. in all my coaching I start with stopping and some people can't stop. They can't be with themselves. They can't you know, I've got a client at the moment that I was like, you know, I want you to go away and turn your phone off for 30 hours. I turn my phone off every Saturday night to a Monday morning. I can't. What about the kids? They'll know where you're staying. They'll, if there's an, I can't do that. I'm like, I did it for 10 days. You can do it. Like we had a world before we had phones and there's just this complete dysregulation in their central nervous system that they just can't do it. And it's like Mm. all that in your window, all that bullshit is just to make yourself feel worthy because you don't feel worthy, you know? And absolutely, it's just like strip it all away because ultimately, you know, when you remove all of the stuff, all you're left with is yourself, right? You're born a baby and you die. When you die, you know, when we die as an old woman, whether we die or not with a partner, we're going to die with ourselves, right? And if we haven't been authentic and true to ourselves, imagine imagine wasting that last 10, 15, 20 years hating what you've not done, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I couldn't fuck. think of anything worse. No. Honestly, I couldn't think of anything worse. And I like going back to what you were saying about, um, I guess, like people not accepting you and things, I had one thing just come to mind. Like the further you step into yourself, the more that you'll – you know, the right people will come around you and you have to cull people out. Yep. And the more time you spend just with yourself, like I just said, turning off the phone, doing things and just being with yourself, not with the distractions, you'll be able to find who you are because we're constantly just distracting totally. ourselves. Yeah, and it's just I need to do that. I need to turn the phone off. Like I'm shocking. I can't even sit down and watch a TV show anymore without, without actually going to my phone. phone. Like, I turn mine off. Just, yep. It's so toxic. It it's is. So it's really toxic. toxic. And, you know, the phone's in the uh, – my phone's back in my bedroom again, but it wasn't. It wasn't for about a year and a half. I had an old school alarm clock. I was really vigilant at it and then slowly but surely it's made its way back in. I'm normally really disciplined. The last month I've gotten a little bit slack with it, but – you know, for anyone listening, try this. I got this off a friend, I don't know, a year ago. All my friends and my close family, like my mum and whatever that might call, I turn my phone off on a Saturday night. I turn it off, off, and I don't turn it back on until Monday morning. So all my clients know I'm not contactable on a Sunday. And if anyone wants me on that Sunday, they have to ring my son. Now, mm-hmm. I co-parent, I've got kids. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Absolutely. You know, and when that phone, this is the realization, right? When that phone comes on on the Monday morning, for the first three or four hours, you miss it and you're like, oh, 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 oh. 
Or if you're going to do something, you'll just kind of get over it really quickly. But then by the time the Monday morning comes, you're like, I don't want to turn it on. But you know, the ironic thing is you turn it on and you catch up in under 20 minutes. Now, 20 minutes in that whole previous 30 hours, my average phone use is eight hours a day. Fucking insane. Fucking Mm -hmm. insane. And I got it all done in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I actually today just practiced what I preach and finally uploaded and downloaded all of my social media and posts for the next eight days. And I've now put a a strict hour, um, you know, because I'm running a business, you know, I'm running a business off social media, but surely I don't need to be doing all the scrolling I'm doing. So I've now put an hour limit on it, 30 minute check-in in in the morning, 30 minute at night, and all the posts are going to go automatic. So stay tuned. I've done that so that I can get back in the studio because I was so focused on coaching and talking and sharing that I'd look at the clock as two o'clock. I'm like, I can't go in the studio now. And it's like, that's my creative outlet. So yeah, I intend to spend the next three days in the studio. But oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, There's so, ways around it. We just, we, you know, find excuses. Oh, we <laughs> find find excuses. Understand. And, you know, we bullshit yeah. ourselves, right? We, we just tell ourselves to, you know, to feel better. And, you know, I can't do that because of this. I can't do that. You know, I, I had, um, I'll quickly tell this last story and, I take myself away for a solo 30 hours twice a year and someone, I was talking about it on my Instagram and someone said, oh, you're lucky you have the money. And I did a a reel on it and said, I don't have the money right now to do this. This is what I did. I normally spend $280 a week on groceries. I said to my eldest son, I'm not doing the groceries this week. There's plenty of food. Here's milk. We're going to survive. I'm going away for one night. We're just going to cook all of what we've got in the freezer. I found a bougie apartment and I said to the lady, it's a Tuesday night. Would you give it to me for 150? That's my limit. I know it's 300, but, and she's like, yep, done. Fellow mum, give it, she gave it to me half price. I, so that was 150 for accommodation. I filled the car with petrol. I drove to Byron. I had chips and two beers in Byron. My phone was off. Then I checked into my cute hotel, uh, sorry, like Airbnb, meditated, masturbated, watched fucking sex in the city. And then in the morning I did this whole re-business, like a six-month check-in on my business. And I think I came back and I'd spent $210, you know, and I I didn't even spend as much as I spent on the groceries. My kids still had their lunches made because we've all got frozen food. Like it just – it's just swapping shit out, right? You know, one of the biggest things that people say to me, oh, I can't afford coaching. It's like, no, you can. Like you can. Like I shaved my head last year and I saved, you know, three grand a year on hairdressing appointments and now I do my own hair um, because I wanted to have Botox. and <laughs> I couldn't justify both, right? So if you really want something, you'll always find. You can make it happen. You can totally make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Now, I would love to know, ask all of my guests this question. What is something that is orgasmic to you? Orgasmic to me? Oh my God, I've got two things. Do you know what's, okay, this is so not sex related, but I've always found it orgasmic when you clean your ears with the ear cleaners Mm -hmm. and you just hit that point where you're like. (laughs) Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So that would be number one. And then I went to squirting school during um, COVID and learned how to squirt. So I feel like I need to kind of redeem myself from talking about ear cleaning versus that. <laughs> so I like to learn a different type of orgasm and feeling at 46 was just phenomenal. Like I was like, Absolutely. really? I've just found a whole nother way to get off. And I just feel like when I do eventually find a partner, I want them to have that level of explorative nature because I just think there's so much more to find. Mm, there is. There's so you much out know. there to find. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. Know. Absolutely. I love that. Um, and I love the from the ear cleaning to the squirting. <laughs> I've heard, Honestly, I've heard some of the best things when it comes to like what's something that's orgasmic because, you know, you can take it in any way you like. Yeah, totally. Ear cleaning was the first thing I thought because I can always remember as a kid going, oh, that feels really good. Yeah, I know. It's just one of those spots that you're just like, oh, I know know, that could feel good. Yeah, that's so fun. (laughs) So, so fun. Uh, So where can the shaggers, the listeners find you, your coaching, your content? Yeah, totally. So I am 
totally active on Instagram. That's kind of my main thing. So my coaching and my podcast is under Your Say by Nicole. Um, it's all just one word, Your Say by Nicole. And then my art business is Your Art by Nicole. So the two handles are separate now. They used to be together, but it was getting a bit chaotic on the one page. So my podcast comes out twice a week. And we talk about all the things. It definitely has a sexual innuendo, but not specific around sex like what yours is. Um, but yeah, my coaching and all those things, yourart.com.au is my website and on there is everything, art, coaching, all the different ways that we work together. But I am a really active Instagram user. So if people want to reach out or ask questions, just direct message me and they'll hear straight back from me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your coaching expertise and your experience of your sexuality. I know it's been really valuable for everybody who was listening. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much, Emily. As always, Shaggers, please reach out with any comments, questions, or stories, either through my Instagram at That's Orgasmic or my email, emilyduncan at thatsorgasmic.com. Please subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast and leave a review for your chance to win a discounted session with me at Emily Duncan Sexology. So thank you, Shaggers, and I'll see you next time. (laughs) 